All right, so we are now live for the 15th episode of the Performante podcast. In this podcast, we're primarily going to be going over proof of stake and uh, the opportunities that it presents with DeFi. We'll go over random stuff in terms of the market, looking at Bitcoin, look at, looking at uh, the US dollar, pretty big move to the downside. And uh, yeah, we'll see where the, uh, the overall podcast takes us. So uh, I'll let Nathan take it away. Hey everyone, welcome to our 15th episode, the second day of December, where we are to be podcasting every day. Thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Spread the word, tell a friend. But I think we can jump right in and join because Ethereum 2.0, today is its second day in operation. And we've seen a lot of hype around the community. I think everyone gassed up at the project succeeding in the transfer from proof of work to proof of stake. And that calls into question maybe if there's any beginners out there to differentiate between proof of work and proof of stake mechanisms because understanding that is kind of fundamental to understanding why Ethereum changed from the two. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well said. Yeah, we could talk about it uh, in the podcast. We can go in depth. We could just talk about the overall perspective. But uh, in short, proof of work, uh, miners solve puzzles and they're given a reward for the first person to solve the puzzle and proof of stake there's no real reward for making a block so the block creators actually take a transaction fee so uh, there's a couple of nuances there I think one per one thing that the retail trader and investor is most interested in is the fact that you could actually get paid to hold ethereum um, obviously, it's not as easy as just holding it. It depends on if you're going to be doing it internally. You'd have to basically have your computer running at all times with really good internet uh, without fail or else you get penalized in some way or another. But uh, yeah, there are other opportunities that allow you to have that exposure and have that revenue coming in just by holding Ethereum without actually uh, being uh, having a computer running all the time. And we'll talk about uh, some of the options, Binance is one of them, but uh, I'll get Nathan talking a little bit deeper into kind of the difference between POW with proof of work or, and POS, which is proof of stake. Yeah, proof of work is really energy and tech intensive. It requires GPUs, it requires electricity, it requires a cooling solution. There's a lot of logistical problems that come with it. And like maybe some Bitcoin minimalists say, it's one of the reasons why crypto will never be successful, but proof of stake proof of stake changes that because it doesn't require the same level of processing power because of its different mechanism on how it validates a block. Some even call it eco-friendly because kind of just like you're hosting a server on your computer, it's not as demanding and taxing mining Bitcoin is. It's a much more smooth process. And although it's relatively complex set up for the average investor in crypto, let's say, there are other like proxy means to do it. So right now, if one node wants to help out the Ethereum, costs you 32 Ethereum, that's that. Once you have 32, you are able to host a node and you will get paid approximately 5 to 20% per year for doing so. Kind of like a savings account that doesn't suck dick. 
So arguably a lot better. This is this mechanism of proof of stake node hosting is something that has existed in crypto for quite a few years. We see this mechanism with two examples that come to mind, two personal favorite coins. One of them is Dash, the crypto, and the other is Horizon. Both of those are worth checking out if you are a longer term investor in crypto because they're real winners. And so that proof of stake mechanism is really scalable, A, because it just costs less energy. So it's not as energy and computationally intensive. And B, because you get a better working product. It transacts faster. Some could argue that it's more secure because it has that delegated, instead of having individuals control one large sum, one large lump sum of GPU miners and being able to just 51% attack, in order to 51% attack proof of stake chain, more or less, you have to have 50% or more of the total nodes, which isn't necessarily financially feasible for the larger cap projects. So in some sense, it could be argued it's higher security. Either way, it's a big upgrade for Ethereum. Everyone's been hyped about this. People thought it was going to come at the start of 2020, maybe the start of 2021. But Vitalik and the boys managed to sneak it in just in the 12th month here. <laughs> Love to see it. And overall, right it, yeah, exactly. The market, the market's so positive with how a things have gone over the last, so let's say, and b with the Ethereum update, people are bullish, people are speculating, people are looking to take on risk. A very different sentiment than. Uh, we're emerging out of a bear market and euphoria is flowing yeah you can definitely feel it in the air uh btc is consolidating right now um but for example just kind of bringing it off of a technical standpoint the u.s dollar is plummeting um not too surprising after we broke 91 it's it's all hell break loose and um, we've already talked about the S&P thinking it's going to be looking very, very bullish and, and it does look very bullish in my personal opinion. So um, I think that next push is coming very soon. Um, BTC is contracting pretty tightly right up against the previous just around all time high of around 19.6, 19.7. So uh, maybe around 19.8. It's, it's looking pretty solid. So we're not really going to be taking any action in terms of leverage trades just because we haven't seen any confirmation yet, but uh, it's looking extremely favorable. I don't think we're going to drop down all the way to 16.6-ish, where I initially thought would be the higher low, but um, you never know. We'll see. I'm going to keep my eyes, peels, eyes peeled, but uh, yeah, definitely keep up with the TikToks and the YouTube videos for more info on that. So kind of switching gears. Yeah, we've been... uh, Oh, go on. Oh, I was going to say, we've just been trying to... Uh... Keep everyone updated between Instagram, Discord, and TikTok. If you're not checking out those platforms, make sure you are, because our YouTube is only one fraction of a larger whole. Love to have everyone cross-participate, join in on the fun on Discord, because uh, ultimately we're just trying to keep everyone in the loop. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I'd say we're pretty active on all fronts, so... Uh... Yeah, come say hi, come comment on things we should talk about, things we should review, and uh, yeah, we're very open to having a, a quality discussion.
So, uh, kind of the next. Oh, oh I can say, should we move into uh, talking about like the equity, the equity matches for proof of stake companies? Yeah, uh, sure. So the one that comes to mind, I would say, is definitely Neptune Dash. Uh, we've been talking about this stock for a while. It's a company based in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, they have, I believe, 10 cryptocurrencies that they have in their portfolio. They have things like Bitcoin. Uh, they have a huge uh, master. I don't know how many master nodes they have, but they have a significant amount of master nodes that they're getting a lot of revenue from from their Dash uh, holdings. They have NEO. They have Ethereum, which they will stake, I'm sure. Uh, they have a heck of a lot more than 32, that's for sure. So uh, they'll definitely be able to create more revenue from those means. And they're different from a lot of other management companies or, or basically any company that manages a portfolio in cryptocurrencies because they're looking for that revenue generating asset compared to uh, a lot of companies just buying and holding BTC or not really looking at revenue generating assets within the space. So um, that's their main focus. I definitely think that uh, at 12 cents, just breaking out of a symmetrical triangle, it's looking like the risk reward is is extremely favorable to the upside, I'd definitely say. You can find more information just by Googling neptunedash.com, but um, yeah, overall, they uh, have very diversified cryptocurrency exposure, I'd say. It's a pretty well-rounded company. Yeah, they have, I'm just looking at their balance sheet right now, hold it up really quick. And it looks like they are making, in one quarter, 1,200 Dash purely by staking, which means <laughs> they get a new masternode because 1000 dash is a masternode. They, so they get a new masternode four times a year. And I obviously that compounds as their income. Just grows. insane. They're also, oh yeah, they have 25,000 units of dash. Wow, yeah, that's- Which uh... is incredible. It's a super interesting company because their revenue model isn't doesn't have a hypothetical consumer. All they're doing is providing liquidity and equity to various cryptocurrency networks, and they get paid because of it. Super, in, it's like a formalized DeFi business model. Where yeah. they're the conglomerate connecting different networks. Super interesting. There's other. Uh, blockchain companies worth noting riot is one of them mm -hmm. fun fact they used to be a biotech company back in like 2003 i think and then when blockchain started becoming popular they ditched their main biotech product and joined and joined the crypto force <laughs> yeah their stock is pretty funny to look at if you look yeah. at uh like 10 12 years ago it's it absolutely plummeted and then it ripped right back up back in 2017. So I think they're not the oldest, but they were probably one of the most prominent when kind of 2017 to later half, especially when it was absolutely mooning. A lot of people were trading Riot. Like in the 2017 run, it peaked at like $49, $48. Um, and at the start of that bull run, it was $1.69. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's trading at 8.51. It's actually done pretty well. From the March lows, we're looking at March lows. 
Oh yeah, like seven, no, seven hundred percent, six hundred. Quite volatile. Oh yeah, I I definitely could see it. it. It's probably one of the more liquid assets to trade. I'd say GBTC Grayscale's Bitcoin Trust is pretty liquid as well, but. Like for example, Neptune Dash is not liquid at all. If you're looking at it from like the hour chart, it's extremely oh, yeah. choppy. It looks just absolutely disgusting. But well, speaking of grayscale, they're doing I think a seven to one stock split on their Ethereum pump. Oh wow, interesting. I guess they just probably need liquidity for it to be traded effectively. Mm -hmm. I know yeah. at one point their Litecoin fund was trading at a five hundred percent. Like overvaluation compared to what Litecoin was trading at on an exchange. Wow. Premium, I guess. Yeah, premium. Part. That's crazy. It'd be cheaper just to buy the actual underlying mm -hmm. asset. Yeah, right. But don't tell the normie. The normie yeah, exactly. Well. You're buying into the dream. You're buying into the mission of the company. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but uh, really cool opportunities. I think this space is only going to grow, and obviously, as the overall market cap increases you're going to have more of these companies pop up but i think uh being able to kind of have a maybe not level floor entry but pretty well close to it like neptune dash is basically not at not at its lowest point but it's basically bottoming out and consolidating now so if you think that this overall cryptocurrency market is in a bull run having some level of of exposure to not just cryptocurrencies and the underlying asset but also some of the possibilities that provide you maybe with some more security for example you might not be able to trust all cryptocurrency exchanges and this uh, type of investment where you're investing through a brokerage and it's very legitimized and uh, verified really just gives a little bit more uh, peace of mind, I guess, when you are diversifying your investments. And even the actual stock itself provides a 6% annualized return in terms of a dividend. So you're getting paid to hold as well as obviously the company itself for uh, hosting nodes. So overall, really good opportunities out there. And I think the kind of last thing we're going to touch on is, let's say, for example, if you're a novice investor, or you just don't have a lot of capital to start off with, and you want to start staking, and you don't have 32 Ethereum, what do you do, right? You just say, oh, unfortunately you can't do it, but there are a lot of options. Like one of the most common, if not the most common well-used exchange is Binance and they offer pooling. So if you don't have the total amount in order to actually stake, you can pool your Ethereum together. And yes, you are trusting that Binance will play their role. And theoretically that's kind of like against what crypto is about to some degree where you want to be your own independent bank and your own independent individual and in control of your money but i think if you don't have the ability to have that capital for uh, your own node hosting it's a really good opportunity um and we'll talk about DeFi a little bit with binance because they have some awesome returns to be completely honest i think nathan said you got like a 20 percent return um apy for bnb is that right yeah, that was the the return on a locked ninety day, I believe, which is nothing short of incredible compared to, like I said earlier, the shitty rates you get at a normie bank. This is uh, DeFi is the future, and I think Ethereum has already played a massive part in the structure of how DeFi operates on smart contracts, 
and that future is only going to get brighter as more people tap into the power of DeFi, decentralized finance, the ability to borrow or loan money without a massive conglomerate like a bank taking their cut. One perspective that I heard was interesting was banks exist because it's super profitable to loan people money, take your cut, because people need to borrow money. And that's why DeFi is such a big industry because now everyone's just now everyone can get that five to 20 percent apy for just locking money away mm-hmm. we don't have to accept those 0.01 percent compounding savings accounts that they offer us the answer is right in front of us finance offers 0.0001 ethereum as your minimum balance to contribute to an ethereum note so as long as you have 0.001 ethereum more you can make passive income just by putting it into your finance savings wall which is incredible that's that i would say that's easier than getting any kind of aggressive interest rate elsewhere online you can get them probably that would outperform outperform an index fund just by holding it obviously there is volatility within the pair that you're trading. So if you're doing something like BNB, yes, you're getting that B, but then you also have to measure BNB against the US dollar. Mm-hmm. You can stake them with stable coins. In fact, if you have a ledger product, the Nano S or the Nano X, you can stake your USDT, your USDC, your DAI, DAI, uh, directly on your ledger without it ever leaving. Do not remember the rates off the top of my head, but I want to say they're 4%. Which is incredible just for wow. holding some liquidity on a flash drive. Yeah. Awesome. You can make substantial money. Obviously, it's not a get rich quick scheme, but we live in the age that getting rich quick requires a lot of risk. And we're just trying to play the game of not get poor slowly from inflation. Yeah, that's, it's uh, that's the dream here. Yeah, it's a important thing to note for sure. I I think uh, people are getting more, I guess, woke. I guess you would say, uh, with the age of the internet, people are understanding that uh, you know they they could just print as much as they want, and I think they found that out very. Uh, I guess. Uh, they found out out in their face like it was very easy to understand through covid because they printed a lot of money and yes the us dollar is falling but a lot of the us denoted dollars are out of the actual country so they're only suffering a small portion of it so uh, at the end of the day they'll look at places like japan and say hey they've printed a lot more money than us they're suffering from deflation not inflation um and Overall, with economics, it's usually if the in, if an entire generation dies, they forget what happened. So then we haven't really suffered inflation too much. In the 70s, it was pretty bad, but they were able to handle it. But uh, we haven't seen something as catastrophic as like Zimbabwe or uh, Venezuela, but it's happened before. For example, the, before the dollar, uh, in the early 1900s, there was a confederate, I believe, or co- confidential confederate dollar. Um, but that got inflated to death due to the Civil War. And, and a lot of people don't really understand that. It, the dollar has been around for, let's say, a little over 100 years. So not very long. 
and people think it's this almighty great asset that will never ever get taken down but at the end of the day it's just a massive cycle yes it's generational if you're actually looking at from completion to uh, completion start to finish but fiat currencies do not work uh, at the end of the day if you look at economic history through centuries it just does not work the previous world reserve currency was the pound sterling which is now not the reserve currency and it's lost 99 percent of its value well why is that because they printed the they printed the currency to death um it's just a cycle of a fiat currency humans are always going to push the can down the road no politician is going to make the necessary changes to impact what's going to happen in 20 years they just care what's going to happen in four years or their re-election so it's extremely short-sighted and the entire political system is geared towards the next election and it's impossible to make long-term change unlike a corporation so I don't know. The world's kind of in a difficult place in terms of trying to make substantial change, but um, we will see how it goes. I do think recently uh, saying Biden went in is really, really positive for crypto, and I think we're going to be seeing some changes in the, I guess, political governance of cryptocurrencies for the, for the better, for the positive, and I think that's going to really shape 2021 to be an explosive year for the entire cryptosphere. Yeah, I think we're entering that point where there's a lot of public interest in crypto. Still not where we have been, but the masses are starting to catch on. And maybe you are one of those people who are just getting involved. So we urge that you keep watching these daily podcasts. And should we wrap it up here for the day? Yeah, I think as well, around 20, 22 minutes. And um, I'd say that's perfect. a perfect amount of time. Yeah, we went over some pretty good stuff. So. Thank you very much for watching or listening. We really appreciate it. We'll be having another one tomorrow. And uh, yeah, if you have any suggestions on what we could go over, what you think we should talk about, maybe some stocks that we could look at in terms of talking about them, um, definitely throw the suggestions in the comment section below and we'll be taking a look at them. So uh, I'll let Nathan finish off the uh, end of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have a blessed day of the week, whichever it may be. Today's Wednesday. Have a great Wednesday, my